All right, John chapter 12. We're going to talk about the witness of prophecy, and we're going to talk about the final challenge to believe. And as we look at it, remember, John chapter 12 is a transitional chapter. Now, John 13, we're going to skip ahead to to the final hours. So just imagine how much of John is dedicated to the passion of Christ. That's, uh, that's a, a, we're, we're going all the way to the end of John. We're going to be dealing with that beginning uh, in a couple of weeks when we get to John chapter 13. So as we look at it, we're, we're transitioning to the passion of the Christ. We're transitioning to the crucifixion. We're transitioning to the purpose, or the, as Jesus said, the, the glory that... He is going to be glorified, that he is going to be glorified in fulfilling his purpose. So as we begin, we're going to take a look, beginning at verse 37, at the witness of prophecy. Now, this is not the witness of prophecy about the coming of Messiah, although there is a witness in the prophecy of the coming of Messiah. It's not the witness of prophecy that talks about the crucifixion, even though there is a witness in prophecy dealing with the crucifixion. This witness beginning in Isaiah chapter 53, is this phrase, who has believed our report. This witness of prophecy is a witness of the rejection of Christ and the hardness of heart by the nation of Israel. It says in verse 37, though he had done many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. Now, you remember, we've talked about this. Life was not normal where blind people could see, right? Just like today. It's not normal. When you see a miracle, the reason we call it a miracle is because it's not normal, right? So when the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are risen, this is not normal. But during Christ's ministry, John said he did so many more things than he wrote, all the books in all the libraries couldn't contain it. So I just want you to understand, the Gospels talk about 36, at minimum, 36 different miracles that Jesus did, despite the times where it says Jesus came before the sick and he healed them. So who knows how many that was. Jesus did incredible miracles, but despite all of those miracles, what does he say? They don't believe. I know we all think... Oh, if the Lord would do this miracle, if the Lord would do that miracle, then they would believe. But that's not how man works, and that's not how God has laid out his purpose. Remember in John chapter 6, if you remember, we talked about um, verse 37, verse 44, that says basically all that the Father has given will come to Jesus, and he will not cast them out. That He will raise them up on the last day. And then we talked about how is it that the Father has given them. Now, there are some people who say that God has already chosen everyone who will be saved, and it doesn't matter what you do. That's just how that's going to happen. But the Bible tells us in John chapter 5, right before John chapter 6, Jesus said that if you believe, in John 6, 45, he said the Father, if you hear the Father and believe him through what the prophets have spoken, then Jesus will raise you up. He won't cast you out. So the way that the Father gives is through his word. 
John chapter 5 says that the way that the Father gives is through the word of Moses. He said in John chapter 5, if you believed Moses, you would believe me. What did he say? If you believe Moses, you would believe me. So what did that indicate? You don't believe Moses. If you reject the word that the Lord has given, then you will reject Messiah. The, the Lord draws through his word. And we're going to see that today even as we go through. So he's going to lay out, look, the people saw the signs, but they didn't believe. Why didn't they believe? Well, let's just back up a little bit. Remember, Jesus' ministry begins with a crazy man. Do you guys remember? There's a crazy man wearing camel skin, eating bugs. Yeah? What was his name? John the Baptist. So for all of those people who ever have busted my chops over how I look, I look a whole lot better than John the Baptist. <laughs> I don't have locusts hanging out of my mouth. I guarantee he had a wild and woolly beard. He lived like a wild man. He was a, you definitely don't go, you know, this is how a Christian should look. Then don't read the Old Testament. Don't read Isaiah. Don't read Ezekiel. Don't read about those prophets of God and, and what they look like. You should just stay in your happy little place where everybody looks nice. So this wild man comes out. What does, he, what does the Bible say John the Baptist was doing? What was he doing? He's preparing the way for Messiah. And how did he do it? By calling the people to repentance. What did they need to repent from? Yeah, unbelief. You've got to repent from unbelief. You don't believe God's word. You haven't believed what God told you through the prophets. What did they do to all the prophets as a nation? They killed the prophets. They rejected the word of the prophets. So John the Baptist comes. And everyone who repented with John the Baptist, were they prepared to hear what Jesus said? Yes. They were ready. What happened with the scribes and the Pharisees when John the Baptist came? You remember? Oh, they kind of rejected him too, didn't they? Yeah, they rejected him. They said he was crazy, and they said Jesus was a wine-bibber. So they didn't like either spectrum, right? Jesus said, John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking, and you called him. You said he has a demon. And I came eating and drinking, and you called me a wine-bibber and a glutton. Which means you don't, you don't like, either way the message comes. You didn't like it all. They had rejected God's word. Now, when we look at scripture, it's going to say for us, they did not believe, they saw the miracles, verse 38, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? Who has believed our report? That's the way Isaiah 53 begins. Isaiah 53 begins with this phrase. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The report is the word that had gone forth. The arm of the Lord is Mashiach. It's the Messiah. The arm of the Lord is how God saves. He saves by his own arm, the arm of the Lord. And so who was the arm of the Lord revealed to? The nation of Israel. But did the nation of Israel believe that this was Messiah? Well, not as a nation they didn't, right? There were individuals who responded, but there were, as a nation, they reject, right? 
they have rejected. So exactly what Isaiah spoke of in the Old Testament is accomplished. So look at, he says again in verse 39, some incredible things in the next couple verses. Therefore, they could not believe. Now, when, that means when Jesus was coming, these guys could not believe. They could not. Why? Because they had rejected the word of God. They had rejected the message that God had revealed to them. Therefore, they could not believe. Listen, for again, Isaiah said, this is from Isaiah 6, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, turn and I would heal them. Isaiah, now I don't want you to miss this part. It's not our focus. We're going to come back to it. But Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory. Whose glory? Yeah, because he saw the Christ. He saw Messiah. When did he see Messiah? In Isaiah chapter 6. How does Isaiah chapter 6 begin? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw Yahweh. I saw the Lord. And his train filled the temple. Who was, he, who was he seeing? He was seeing the Christ, the Messiah. Who is Jesus? He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. Who does Isaiah 6 say he is? Yahweh. This he said when he saw him, the Mashiach Nagid, the Christ. <clears throat> this is who he is referring to. Now let's back up. They could not believe because Isaiah said he had blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. When we look at scripture, there are at least two types of hardening that takes place. There is self-hardening and judicial hardening. Now, self-hardening is what happens when people reject God's word. So initially, what occurs with the nation of Israel? The prophets come to them and come to them and come to them. And what do they do? They reject. You were with me in the study of Jeremiah. You see the people for 40 years of Jeremiah's ministry, hard in their heart, hard in their heart, hard in their heart, hard in their heart. Isaiah, no different. Same way. Isaiah is before Jeremiah. So before Jeremiah comes, the Lord says to Isaiah, you go, but that people's heart is already hard. They are going into exile because they have rejected the voice of the prophets and now God won't let them turn you are going into judgment that was what was happening at the time of Isaiah that is what Isaiah's prophecy is to Judah through the fall of Israel Jeremiah's prophecy is to Judah because of their own fall so one is showing the example of those who fell previously the other is saying, now you guys are on that same road. There's nothing you can do. Jeremiah's message to the people is, you're going to exile. Nothing you can do to stop that. You're going to exile. Stop fighting. You don't have to die. That was Jeremiah's message. Why should you die, Israel? You don't have to die. Lay down your sword and accept your whooping. Right? You don't have to die. But the people were stubborn. They were hard-hearted. God would not let them turn. And we're going to see a few examples of how this occurs. So self-hardening happens when we reject God's revealed word. And when we reject God's revealed word, we step into a place called sinful rebellion. 
And the result of sinful rebellion is unbelief. And the result of unbelief is hard heart. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 11 through 13. Listen to what the prophet Zechariah had to say. They refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. Who's he talking about? People of Israel. They made their hearts diamond hard. Lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. So God holds them responsible. Why are they responsible? Because they rejected the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called, they would not hear. They called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. So man hardens his heart by rejecting God's word. Then God takes an active role. As God brings judgment for man's rebellion, God takes an active role in blinding an already rebellious person in their rebellion. So that they will continue. He prevents their repentance. Let me give you an example. The children of Israel come to Kadesh Barnea. You guys remember the story? The children of Israel come to Kadesh Barnea. That's the, the boundary of the promised land. They've been wandering in the wilderness. The Lord says, I have given the land into your hand. Wherever you put the sole of your foot, I will give you victory. The people decide they're going to send out spies. So they send out 12 spies. Two spies return with a good report. Our God is able to deliver. Ten spies re return saying, there's giants in a land, we cannot prevail. The people believe the ten spies. They say, we can't go, we can't go. So the Lord says, then you won't go. And you will, that generation who made that decision will die in the wilderness. And we will wander in the wilderness for 40 years and then we'll come back with the next generation and have them face their Kadesh Barnea. Do you know what happened the next day? The children of Israel said, oh my gosh, we messed up, we messed up. And so they come before the Lord and they said, God, forgive us, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, we're, we're ready, we'll go. Do you know what God said? I forgive you, you can't go. You can't go. God said, no. He still took care of them for 40 years in the wilderness, right? He still gave them manna. They were still his people. But he said, you can't go. He did not grant them repentance. They went into the wilderness for 40 years. Always makes me a little nervous when people say, God's got to forgive me. Who told you that? Who said God's got to? God's God. He don't got to do anything except what he wants to do. That's what God's got to do. 
when we rebel against the Lord, he can say this far, no further. That's it. That's what the Bible teaches us. In judicial hardening, what happens is people have rejected the word, rejected the word, rejected the word. God says, you cannot receive the word now. Jesus will come and preach and you will crucify him. Why did God judicially harden Israel? Because if they don't crucify Christ, nobody's saved. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that through me the world might be. So he came to die. He came to, that's what he came to do. That's why he said, this is the time for which I've come. This is the purpose for which I've come. So he says, that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet has been fulfilled. Their hearts are hard and they won't believe. They won't believe because Jesus Christ is heading to the cross. When God judicially hardens, it is always for a redemptive purpose. The last time he did it was in Exodus when he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he could show himself mighty to save. And what did he usher in? Something called Passover. Does that matter for salvation? Yeah, that's what Jesus fulfills, right? The Passover. He is our Passover lamb, right? The lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Judicial hardening is always for a purpose. It does not have to be eternal. It is to accomplish God's purpose. Let me give you a few more examples from Scripture. <clears throat> Acts 28. Uh, Paul is speaking. He's going to quote from Isaiah again. Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. Why? Because. That's what that word for means. For. This people's heart has grown dull. You want to understand how that happens? Read the book of Hebrews. Do not neglect your salvation. Do not drift. Do not become dull of hearing. Do not harden your heart as in the days of rebellion. That's what we were just talking about. So he says, you indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. Their ears they can barely hear. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Why is God blinding their eyes? Why has a veil come upon Israel? Look at verse 28. Therefore, let it be known, this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. This is what Romans 9, 10, and 11 is about. Has God cast off Israel forever? What did Paul say? Certainly not. He who has cut them off to graft in the wild can also cut off the wild and graft in the natural. Can't he? And he talks about the glorious day when Israel will 
believe. Psalm 95, which is quoted <coughs> in Hebrews, one of the illustrations I shared with you. Psalm 95, we'll pick it up at verse 6, says this. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. Sounds like a song, huh? For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Listen, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. What is he describing? How does God speak? He speaks to his people through his word. He says, today if you hear his voice, don't what? Don't harden your heart. How do we harden our heart? By rejecting what God has said. Don't harden your heart as in Meribah, the day of Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test, put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. And for 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. How do we know God's ways? How, do we, how would we know any of God's ways? He reveals them to us. Yes? You're not going to find them on your own. God has to show you. How does he show you his ways? Through his word. Reject his word and you will harden my heart. Therefore the Lord swore in Psalm 95, 11, I swore in my wrath they will not enter my rest. So the book of Hebrews says, Beware, lest an evil heart of unbelief come upon you, and you fail to enter into the rest that God has. We must receive that good word of God. In John chapter 12, 39 and 40, Therefore they could not believe. Why? Because Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. Lest they see with their eyes, understand with their heart, turn, and I would <laughs> heal them. So the Lord is saying, hey, this people's heart has grown dull. An evil heart of unbelief has come. They have rejected in John 5 the word of Moses. They have rejected the words of the prophet. They have rejected the voice of the Father. So when Jesus speaks the words the Father gives him to speak, what do they do? They still reject it. So God hardens their heart. They won't turn. For what purpose? So that one day they might be saved. Because even those who shouted crucify him, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. Even for those Paul says that he blinded their eyes, otherwise the rulers of this world would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The only way salvation enters is through the cross. Isn't that what Jesus told the Gentiles earlier in John chapter 12 when the, when the Greeks came and said, Lord, we want to we see Jesus. And Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It dies alone. The only way the fruit of the gospel goes to the nations is if I go to the cross. 
He's describing exactly what has to happen. And the hardness of heart that would occur within the nation. So what's the intent of God in all this? Romans 11, 11. So I ask, this is Paul speaking, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means, rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. So has God cast them off forever? No, this is what the Bible says. Romans eleven twenty five to 27 says this, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Does God have the right to harden whom he will? Sure. Are they responsible for their hardening? Yes. Why? They rejected his word. So God is just in hardening their heart. And in this way, what's it say in verse 26? And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sin. <laughs> this was God's intent in the cross. Romans eleven thirty two. For God has consigned all the disobedience that he might have mercy. Earlier the Lord says this. I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. A lot of people like to quote that. There's a problem. There's lots of words in the Bible. We should probably quote them all together. Shouldn't we? So God has consigned all to disobedience so that he might have mercy on all. I, I like that little word, all. It's a good word. In Isaiah chapter 6, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. His train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Now, this is probably not how you see most angels drawn. But a seraphim is a throne guardian, an angel that guards the throne of God. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. and With two, he flew. And one called to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So Isaiah, as he's being commissioned, sees the Lord. This is something that occurred with all prophets. This is my biggest problem with people today who say, I'm a prophet. Really, have you seen the Lord? All prophets saw the Lord. Ezekiel, read Ezekiel. Jeremiah. Isaiah. What was the result of them seeing the Lord? They were commissioned as prophets. You are commissioned as a prophet, right? The Lord says, who will go for us? Whom shall we send? Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. This is his commissioning. His commissioning. Now, what, was the, what happened in Isaiah when he saw the Lord? What happened in Isaiah when he saw the Lord? He said, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Lord, I am all screwed up. Woe, that's right, woe is me. 
The first five chapters of Isaiah go like this. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you too. Isaiah chapter 6 goes like this. Woe to me. Woe is me. So he cries out to the Lord. He cries out to the Lord. And the Lord says, I'm going to send you, Isaiah, to this people. But their hearts have been hardened. They will go to exile. But you will still take the word. And the word will go. But God will not soften their heart in his word. Why? They have rejected Isaiah's voice is a voice of judgment upon his people. Isaiah's impact, the impact on Isaiah, woe is me, I need to be cleansed. And the Lord cleanses him, right? And then he sends him. He commissions him as his voice of judgment to the people. Now here's where Jesus is going to define some of this for us. Let's look. In John, back in John chapter 12, picking it up in, uh, in verse 42. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. So some of the rulers believed in Jesus, right? Those were the same rulers who responded to John the Baptist. <coughs> Thereby, they were ready to respond to Jesus' word. But the ones who responded were afraid to stand. Right? Who were the two people we know for sure of the Pharisees who believed? Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. That's right. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. But what does it say? For fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. Not yet. They will, right? But they hadn't yet. Why did they not confess it? Because they didn't want to be put out. And then the Bible gives this condemnation upon them. Why? They love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They feared man. They did not fear God. So the point is, when we fail to confess Christ, what is the rub? What is holding us back? The same thing that held them back. What was that? They loved the praise of men rather than the praise of God. Praise of men is, happens now, right? What do, how many times have you said, oh, I, don't, I didn't want to hurt their feelings? Well, I didn't want to offend them. I used to say that all the time. I, I didn't want to offend them. I didn't want to offend them. And somebody asked me, do you care about whether or not you offend God? And then I said, oh, yeah. I was just as guilty. <coughs> I love the praises of men rather than the praises of God. This is why there is a failure to confess, even by those <coughs> who believe. They're not condemned here. They're just convicted. What is your problem? Why won't you confess? We know they will confess at the crucifixion, right? They're going to go get the body of Jesus. It's hard to be secret then. Yeah? It's hard to be secret when you're the, the guys who come and take the body off the cross. The day will come. And the struggle, well, that was their love of glory. Now, Jesus, as he talks about this witness, the witness of the hard-heartedness that the Bible speaks of that would lead Christ to the cross, he says that's the witness of 
of prophecy. And then he's going to give one, one last challenge to the people to believe. One last challenge to the people. So he says in verse 44, Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. What words did Jesus say he spoke? The Father's words, right? How does the Father draw? By those who receive the Father's word. Those who receive the Father's word. Whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. They work in perfect harmony. God the Son, God the Father, accomplishing the same purpose, right? He says in verse 46, For I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. I've come to bring light. You don't have to stay in the darkness. If anyone, listen, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, Jesus says, I don't judge them. I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There will be a day of judgment. And in that day, the condemnation will come from rejecting the word. This is what he's going to declare. Look. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The words that I have spoken to him will judge him in that day. Who's responsible? Does the Bible here say that God made it so it was impossible for them to believe? He says, I, I made it so they, that the, the leaders wouldn't turn so that Christ would be crucified. But what's going to judge them? What did they reject? They rejected God's word. Who's responsible? They're responsible. They rejected God's word. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to speak God's word to you. You have rejected God's word. You have rejected that which the Father has spoken. John 6.45, take a look at it. They rejected the words of the prophets. John, I think it's 5.45, something like that. Five in the 40s somewhere, look at it. John 5, what did he say? You didn't believe Moses, so you won't believe me. How did the people reject? They rejected God's word. And they will be responsible for what they rejected. And then God said, that's it. You can't turn. You stay here. You stay in this place. Jesus said in verse 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say, and what to speak. So Jesus spoke God's word. How did the Gospel of John begin? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Jesus Christ, God the word, comes to reveal God to us. If you reject that word, you are responsible for your rejection. So what was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet will be true. Because you are dull of hearing. You know how many times the Bible gives that warning? Because you have neglected your salvation. You know how many times the Bible gives that warning? 
because you have drifted away. Therefore, the Lord said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Just like Kedish, Barnea, God can say this far, no further. Now, when we talk about this, we are talking about it is possible for a believer to believe and not progress in their walk with Christ because of unbelief. And you go so far and no further. And just like Esau, you can seek your repentance with tears but find no room for it because of unbelief. And for those who would reject the word of God. Every time we reject that word, just like Pharaoh, our heart grows hard. God does not ever have to soften your heart. And in the end, you will be responsible because you rejected what the Father said. This is how the scripture lays it out to us. So, so Jesus said, I speak only the words the Father gives me to speak. So when you reject Jesus' word, whose word are you rejecting? The Father's. You are rejecting what the Father gave him to say. Verse 50, and I know his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father told me. Now, Jesus has, in chapter 12, totally turned his eyes toward the cross. He is going to provide a way. Here's what I want you to understand. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible tells us before the foundation of time, we are chosen. Some people would say that we were elect. God chose us. You never had to believe God just picked you before the foundation of the world. But they're leaving out two words. You are chosen before the foundation of the world in Christ. All the promises of God are found where? In Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, we're told how it is that you come to be in Christ. Before the foundation of the world, the Lord God Almighty decreed that all who are in Christ would be elect. All who are in Christ will be elect. In verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1, he says, And you were found in Christ when... You heard the gospel and believed. And when that occurred, you became the elect before the foundation of the world because you entered into Christ. And all who are in Christ are his elect. Just like in the Old Testament, all who are in Israel are Elect. Israel was his elect, right? Well, what about Samaria? Were they his elect? No, you had to be where? Israel. How are you elect in the New Testament? You have to be where? 
in Christ. See, you have become, in a way, the new Israel, elect of God, through faith in Christ, which occurred when you heard the gospel and believed. If you reject it, who's responsible for your rejection? You are. You are. You bear responsibility. You rejected. You rejected that word. You receive the word. What is it that God does for you? He clothes you in his righteousness. And you, in Christ, can say, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are yours, where? In Christ. Paul uses that phrase 169 times in 13 epistles. Do you think it's important? 169 times? How many times have we got to say it for it to count? The most important thing you will ever decide is will you respond to the voice of the Father through the words of the prophets? Because all who have heard from the Father and learned from Him. What did Jesus say? I speak the words the Father gives me to say. So whose words are Jesus speaking? So if you hear the Father's words and respond to them, just like Jesus said in John chapter 6, then you come into Him. You abide in Christ and He abides in you. What a beautiful place to be. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for an opportunity to discuss the things that your word is laying out for us, God. And as we transition to the, to the final hours of Jesus' ministry, as he turns his eyes toward his disciples in John <coughs> chapter 13, as he washes the disciples' feet, as he spends his evening in the garden of Gatshmone, as he as he turns his eyes toward you, Lord, to accomplish the glory that you had sent him to do, as he works out this perfect work of salvation, we hear the words of Christ echoed. I did not come to condemn. I came to save. The way has been made. The words have been spoken. So Christ commands all men everywhere to repent and believe. God, be glorified in the truth of your word. As your word goes forth, may we, men and women, respond to your word, be convicted by your word. May we respond like Isaiah when he saw the Lord. Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. May we be cleansed and purged by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then may we, like Isaiah, respond to the need to go to every nation with, here am I, send me. It is not our burden to save. It is our burden to tell to sow the seed of God's word among the nations that he who would respond will respond and he who will harden will harden 
And in it all, God, will be glorified. Lord, I pray that you would anoint this time as we turn our eyes toward you. And we give you praise, for your word is good. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>